Welcome to the Fitfiliate Podcast, hosted by Tony Ronke and Lisa Hetherington, where we talk about behaviours and behaviour-based conversations as they apply to affiliate owners and coaches. At least one of us does, you know. <laughs> Welcome, yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Fitfiliate Podcast. Today, super excited to have Mr. Dave Kalina from O2, which if you're anywhere but where I am in Australia, you can drink it and enjoy it, but... <laughs> Weirdly can't over here, but we're working on it. I promise. <laughs> I'll give you my address at the end. Um, we <laughs> we over. are excited to talk to to Dave about his journey through O2 and just get to know a little bit more about your journey into entrepreneurship, um, the trials and tribulations of bringing something new to what is you know potentially a crowded market. So mm-hmm. thanks for coming on, Dave. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the chat today. Me too. Oh, and I've got Tony here as well. That's oh bummer. There's me. That's, Unfortunately, that's right. I don't have a cool accent like Lisa Dave, but we're both kind of cool <laughs> talk here. So uh, can we can just best. fake an Australian accent for the duration <laughs> I, of the podcast. It's not anybody's <laughs> best interest, especially mine. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna stick to the raw northeastern accent that I have and there we go. Apologetic about it. Um no, I'm pumped that you're on here. Obviously, I got to spend a whole weekend with you um prior to this, which was uh, both random um and also <laughs> awesome at the same time it was funny because you reached out to me about you know coming on and we talked yep. about having on and it was just like oh i'll be there but no i'll be there yeah, we'll that was great there. And then next thing you know we spent We're spending 36 hours, hours together yeah <laughs> and and it was fun in the winter frozen cold but it was a great time <laughs> no but I was, I was very excited i mean i was i was fairly familiar with you and i'd heard a lot about you um prior to you uh, coming on here or reaching out to you only ever great things. And so obviously getting to spend a weekend with you before this to substantiate that I was like, it was pretty fucking rad. So I'm pumped to have you on here to tell Thanks, a little bit of story um, and really just kind of share the man behind the drink that so many people who listen to this have probably consumed mindlessly. Um, so they get to kind of have an idea of like who this guy is and what the hell is wrong with him when he decided that, you know what I want to do? <laughs> I want to do a recovery drink and I'm going to do it. So it seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it was a bad idea. I mean, personally, I'm not biased, but I told you before, it's my favorite one. Cause I don't Thank love you. the bubbles. Um, and mm-hmm. so for me, I'm like, it's great. It mixes really well with alcohol. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. <laughs> I feel like we need not that we would know anything about that. I None. feel like we need the hashtag not sponsored right now. Tony. I wonder what it's like <laughs> if you mix it with PBR. I bet you tied. Oh God. All right. So O2 is a great mixer. Great mixer. However, <laughs> that sounds disgusting. <laughs> where was I? Um, where was I just at? Um, oh, in Switzerland, not just, but it was about, about three years ago. I was in Switzerland for a seminar. Um, actually probably five years ago at this point, because COVID evaporated my brain. And they mix beer with Sprite. Oh, oh. man. Why? No, 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 no. Hold your judgment because it's actually not terrible. Um, really? Yeah, it's a it's got to be mixed with obviously a light beer, and I'm not advocating anybody go out and buy Sprite for one, and I'm not advocating go out and buy or light beers for two. <laughs> um, but it's surprisingly is a good one. It might be something to this. We might have just stumbled onto like the Tosh mixer. I, I will I will give you full freedom and license to explore that on your own. We'll and call take it your word for it. That's what we call it. Hey, that's good. I like yeah. that. All right, all right. I'll try it now. Yeah, we're gonna rebrand it. So. Pumped to have you on. I'm pumped to tell your story. Thanks for making some time for us. And uh, let's just jump right in. Pants off. Dance butterfly. Off. I love it. 
Uh, well, cool. So I guess, you know, uh, I think the most important thing for people to start with here is like, let's tell them who Dave is, right? Because like, I think everybody knows the can, but well, we'll talk about the new can because that's sure. important. Yeah, uh, that's important. But I think everybody knows the drink. Um, they know the iterations of the drink. And uh, I think uh, I think it'd be cool for them to know a bit of your backstory and really sure. <laughs> all jokes aside, where you're like, you know what? Fuck my life savings. I want to make energy. <laughs> right. So, right. You know, let's, let's get into that one. So tell us a little bit about your backstory and how that worked. Yeah. And what led you to here? You know, I, I joked that it seemed like a good idea at the time that you know, there's nothing about this journey, which has almost been a decade long at this point that I would change. And it's got, it's been filled with so many ups and downs. And I have so many more gray hairs now than I probably should. <laughs> I um, think you look fantastic. It's fine. But, well, thank you. Um, call, the patina, call that patina. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. It's just a finishing touch. Um, but there's an expression that I came by recently from a author called James Clear. Do you follow him at all? Yeah. Um, really fantastic. He, he, he wrote Atomic Habits and he puts out weekly content that I think is really good. And a few months ago, he put something out that said something along the lines of uh, entrepreneurship is a personal growth accelerator. Mm -hmm. And I've found that to be totally true, which yeah. is why, you know, I, I'm kind of proud of my gray hairs. You know, I'm kind of proud of the trials and tribulations. Um, but it all started when I was in corporate strategy in a, in a kind of traditional nine to five job. It was more like, I don't know, eight, eight to seven. Um, and I was working at a financial services firm in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, I, was, I was fairly happy. I was doing really well financially. And, and my career was, was really progressing really nicely. Um, but the company I was working for was a good one, but it, it, it wasn't one that I felt so passionate about that it made sense for me to spend the majority of my waking hours, you know, trying to benefit. Um, so I found an outlet for kind of all this pent up um, desire to do something with an impact positively. In year three of that journey, uh, my former boss at the time, he was the chief strategy officer, he and I teamed up to start a nonprofit uh, charter high school in Columbus I called Christopher Gray. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, I approached him one day after he shared a story about how he had been on the founding board of the first one of these schools in Chicago in 1996. And, you know, the, the model was such that uh, they would go into a really low income part of town and create a very high quality uh, private charter high school for a group of kids who couldn't otherwise afford it. And they uh, paid for the school by sharing an entry-level job at a, a company like the one that I worked for, Nationwide Insurance, or Fidelity, or a local law firm, or whatever. And in return for the labor, the jobs would pay these kids about $30,000 to be applied towards their tuition. Oh, and cool. so high-quality education is expensive. So all of yeah. a sudden, you know, they could afford this high-quality education um, and the graduation rate of this school and all 26 schools that have subsequently been created is around 99%. And these are in parts wow. of town, certainly in Columbus, uh, where the graduation rate generally hovers around 30 to 40%. So wow. I approached him one day about, you know, after hearing his story about the first one, I was like, dude, we got to start one of these in Columbus, you know, and he's in typical kind of high 
profile executive fashion. She's like, all right, I'll, I'll help you do this, but you got to do all the work, right? <laughs> um, so I'm like, okay, great. Sounds good. And so that began a two-year journey to get this school off the ground, which effectively became my night job. So I kept working, you know, my, my rather intensive day job. And then in the evenings, I'd shift my focus to getting the school off the ground. Um, and, you know, it, it makes me really proud to say that this summer we are celebrating our 10 year anniversary. Dude, that's amazing. I didn't even know this part of the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah the this is, thing. I know this is the best part. Um, and, and it's just been a really beautiful thing to be a part of. And that's where I sort of cut my entrepreneurial teeth. That was the first time that I had started something from nothing. You know, I built something that wasn't just a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that's when I caught the bug for creating something that would have a positive impact. Um, through that journey and while I was working, you know, 12 hours a day at Nationwide and it felt like, you know, six to eight hours in the evenings uh, getting the school off the ground, I was drinking a tremendous amount of Gatorade and Red Bull and other sports and energy drinks that I knew weren't great for me. And yeah. I knew it would eventually take a toll. I was 26, 27 at the time, but I knew enough to know that I shouldn't keep doing this. So once the school got off the ground, I shifted my focus to building something that I wish existed that, that I couldn't find myself, which was like a healthier alternative to all right. the sugary bullshit. Um, and that became the start of O2. That's why I, I don't know how I missed the whole chunk about the charter school um, ever in any of the conversations that we had had up to this point. I knew that you had had uh, obviously had done some volunteer work, but I didn't know it was to that extent and to that level. Mm -hmm. today. Um, and that's very cool. Um, off camera, we're going to have to talk about that. one. Yeah, but, it was super cool, man. I loved it. No, that's very rewarding. I think there's a couple of things you touched on in there, and I really want to dig into you know, what was the idea behind O2? I mean, obviously you went looking for something that didn't exist. And I think, you know, as, as, a, as applies to this conversation, this podcast, um, I really want to dig into that one because, you know, the very nature of this audience is for sure entrepreneurial. Um, yep. but I think a little bit more so entrepreneurial in that, mm -hmm. you know, that they are, they, they set out on their own journey hoping to follow somebody else's journey, um, you know, or, or somebody else to throw them a lifeline and, you know, mm -hmm when you move into something that's entrepreneurial, AKA like a, a, a product of one where there's mm -hmm. no, there is no right. frame of reference. There is no playbook. Right. There is no anything for you to, to base it off of. It's a very different wild, wild West, but um, right. uh, we can circle back though. And I think we can spend a lot of time talking about that one, but tell me a little bit about uh, how easy it was to come up yeah. with a, a recovery drink that was just sugary free. I mean, I, I, how do you even start that? That's, we asked ourselves that same question for a long time. Um, and, and it's kind of funny, like, you know, today O2 is sold at 2,500 or so gyms across the country. Most of them are CrossFit gyms. Um, you know, we have Lifetime Fitness, for example, as a chain account. We have UFC Fitness as a chain account, but most of those are CrossFit gyms. So I've spent a tremendous amount of time in different CrossFit gyms across the country and, that's and where across I the world. Originally. Yeah, that's where most people discover our product. At the old Welch's, at old CrossFit Cadre, many many years ago, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, he actually introduced me to, adversely also to Bang at the exact same time. Oh, shame on him! Yeah, I was like, "What is? I'm not drinking anything that's called that." But there was, I was like, "I'll drink those instead." Um, and that was that was <laughs> forever great. ago. And that was like the first I had seen them. I think probably at like maybe it was Wadapoos or something like that, but I didn't really ever consume them. And then that weekend while teaching a seminar. 
I think I drank the entire profit margin of them. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh, we're talking about O2, not bang, right? Yeah. yeah. Just, no, not okay, bang. fantastic. Uh, if it was I bang, did, I'm however, not sure we'd be having this conversation. <laughs> drank a bang on the way home because I drove that seminar and I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was having heart palpitations. It was a five hour drive home back to New York. And I was like, what the fuck is this thing? Never That's again. Great. Um, anyway, sorry about that. There's a little bit of a segue there. So keep going. Well, Tell me yeah, well, well, I, I, after, you know, after having spent so much time in gyms, Cadre being one of them, I think they were one of our first customers in Ohio in 2014, which is when I launched O2 literally and figuratively out of the back of my car. Like I was doing everything. I was doing all the sales, all the deliveries. So I would drive all over Here's Ohio. My and, Here's my elixir out of yeah, my exactly. car. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and talking with a lot of gym owners, I saw a lot of parallels in that, you know, we're, we're all trying to positively impact our communities. Hmm. And that was even before the idea for O2 was had, I created a, a small LLC called the Live Well Collective. And the whole intention behind that was to help people live better, live well. Hmm. Um, and, and that's carried me through all the ups and downs of creating O2. Um, particularly in the early days, you know, we, when I say we, I'm referring to, to myself and my co-founder, uh, Dr. Dan Kim, who was and still is a medical doctor at Ohio State's hospital. We had no clue how to make a drink. You know, I came from a corporate strategy background and, and my only entrepreneurial experience was getting this school off the ground, which had nothing to do with, you know, a, a food or beverage. Dan's a doctor. He wasn't a food scientist. So we kind of spun our wheels for a, a while and, we really had to keep our eye on the why that we were yeah. doing this because we were getting rejected left and right from different people in the beverage industry who we thought could help us. They just thought we had a stupid idea. Um, and it was, it was mainly as a result of we want to create this drink that's you know, got a ton of electrolytes, which it does. It's got twice the electrolytes as Gatorade, but only one gram of sugar and no artificial ingredients. And oh, by the way, it's infused with a high content of oxygen versus you know, carbonation or any other type of gas. And, and that last piece was important because most beverages do everything they can to keep oxygen out of their product. But yeah. we were saying, okay, we're going to put it in because we know there's medical science behind oxygen being ingested and accelerating the body's processing time, processing of toxins and recovery time. So we got laughed at so many different times to the point where eventually we're like, you know what, fuck it. Let's just order some ingredients on Amazon and we'll get we'll get a used bar gun from the local restaurant supply company and we'll swap out the tank of co2 that it comes with with a tank of o2 and we'll start making our own drink and just selling it to our friends and that's exactly what we did and i had i had yet to leave my day job at this point because I, I wanted to make sure before i leave my nice cushy six-figure day job that it was worth leaving a nice cushy six-figure day yeah. job for um for sure. and i remember the moment that I heard the Ohio State men's basketball team was buying our product by the case from a local convenience store, that's when I was like, okay, we're onto something. Particularly because today O2 is known for its taste. It tastes really good. Everybody who tastes it, it's like, damn, this is this is awesome. Well, back then it, it tasted terrible. And so <laughs> we had this product that tasted terrible, tasted like salt water, like lemon salt water, basically. Um, but people were buying it and they were paying five bucks a bottle for it. I'm like, mm. okay, shit, if we can fix this taste problem, which we yeah. subsequently did, then we're on to something. Um, so, so that was kind of the, the origin behind, you know, leaving my day job for something that I knew at, at that point was worth leaving your day job for. 
And then is when I invested the rest of my life savings into hiring a team of food scientists to, to make the, make the product not only yeah. taste okay, but taste exceptionally good. For sure. Um, that's so I was going to joke when you said, I don't know how to make a drink. And I was going to say, I know how to make a drink, but you need a liquor license for it. And then yeah, that's right. into it, you actually literally use bar equipment to do it. Um, mm -hmm. That's funny. Cause as you were saying that I was like, I was actually envisioning the actual bar gun and, and doing yeah. it. Um, that's, that's what it came out of initially. <laughs> that's uh that's funny. So there's a couple of things in there that you also referenced. The first of which that anybody listening to this podcast knows that I'm going to hone in on it, which is uh, the why. Uh, probably mm -hmm. one of the most important things that we talk about or the most common things we talk about in here is the power of why and the importance of why and really particularly how the absence of why is what's become wise, right? And I, I can imagine, especially in your journey, if you guys did not have whys, one, mm -hmm. we likely probably wouldn't have a better tasting version of this mm -hmm. thing or would it even exist at all. But Correct. if it did exist, I would almost guarantee that it probably would have morphed into a sugary version that yeah. had carbonation with yep. more caffeine, yep. less oxygen. Yep. It's just easier to make those drinks. Right. And and like that is the that is the entire sort of you know demonstration right there in a completely separate example. Like for me personally, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here is that you're a refreshing um take right because obviously most people come on here come from you know the cross of background across affiliate model and that's they're great because they're fantastic but inside that lens i think what ends up coming out of that is uh you know some degree of you know confusion or you know distraction right because they're just focused on what is an affiliate what does affiliate type things do and so having somebody like yourself on here who's you know obviously knows the model very well and you, you've spent all of your time inside CrossFit gyms and sell to them, you know, you get it. But I think people will find some value in being like, Oh, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Like mm -hmm. that's supposed mm -hmm. to be weird. And in that conversation right there, the absence of why is what's become wise. Like mm -hmm. you see this in CrossFit affiliates a lot where like they don't, they do lose sight of their why. And like next thing you know, mm -hmm. they do become the sugary caffeinated high, you know, mm -hmm. tasting version of it. And then they're just like, well, I don't even like this thing. This wasn't even mm -hmm. set out to, you know, build when we built this affiliate. And so, you know, I think you touched a little bit on it there. And I think it's important that they understand that like, dude, you gave a decade of your life to this thing. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that really carried you through that for the most part was that like the power of why, right? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and, you know, that kind of goes back to our mutual buddy in Tosh and he's got a, a Toshism around how, you know, often the right way is the hard way. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so important to, you know, which, which a lot of people listening, I'm sure they do. I try to make a regular practice of it is doing things physical and otherwise that just make you uncomfortable stuff that you don't want to do because you're exercising that discipline muscle because so much of entrepreneurship consists of things you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that I go about in my daily, you know, routine or my daily um, schedule that, you know, don't light me on fire, but are things that I need to do. And sometimes I only I can do. And those are the things that I think are really important to do in the context of your why, especially yeah. when shit goes bad. Like it's easy to do the right thing when it's easy. Right. But when shit goes bad and when shit's tough, like making a, a drink that, you know, isn't full of sugar and isn't kind of the typical drinks that co-manufacturers tend to make that's really important to remember why you're doing it because that, yeah. that's the only thing that powers you through those moments i think 
Yeah, and I'm sure that, that led you, you know, and, and the power of why really is more, is more about what to avoid, right? And, and so inside mm-hmm. that, that conversation, so much of what carries you through that, I assume, you know, is that like, I can imagine the amount of opportunities that were thrown, you know, at you as the founder of this company to, you know, sell this, change this, modify this. You mm-hmm. thought about this, like, you know, help comes at you from every direction, all these, you know, advisors and ideas and things. And yeah. they're like, you know what you should do? Become a completely different product. Yeah. Right? Right. And you're like, I didn't want to do that. Right. And, right. And, right. and that is one of the things that faces affiliate owners, particularly, you know, pretty heavily right now, because naturally speaking, they're not in the best of shape in most situations, right? Not, mm-hmm. not physically, but financially and otherwise. Yeah. In business. And so they go looking for help, you know, just the same as, is like, I'm sure you did in your entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the, the unfortunate circumstance that ends up happening when you're truly entrepreneurial, like a product of one, nobody really understands you. Right. right. So they're like, right. you know what you should do? Become somebody else because they it worked for them. Right. And right. like this would be done here. And and without a why, that would be so easy to do. I think so. And and you know, sometimes <clears throat> the, the whys can get a little nebulous sometimes, yeah. I find when it comes to making actual concrete business decisions. So one of the one of the few things I feel like I did right early on with this business were defining our values through which we can make decisions. Mm. Um, and I'll share a, a fun little story. Um, it, it's funny, I, I just finished my first semester teaching an entrepreneurship class at CU Love Boulder that. here locally. Yeah. And uh, I always start, you know, I've, I've done a bunch of guest lecturing and I, I started, you know, this class with the same lecture that I usually do um, when I'm invited to, to guest lecture different classes, which is like, there's the Instagram version of all the all the good stuff about being an entrepreneur, and then there's the real version, the behind the scenes version of of what this really looks like, which is not Instagram friendly. It's the stuff that nobody talks about. Um, and one of the stories that that I always share uh, come from the very very early days of O2, and this was the first of of many crises um, that we've gone through. Each of which has you know, I've found has ultimately put us in a better position than we would have otherwise been without the crisis. Um, But we had, back in 2014, we had just done our first large production run. So fast forward, you know, the days of the bargain were over. Uh, We we hired this team of food scientists to make the product taste awesome, which they did. And we had done a small fundraise with friends and family to be able to produce, I don't know, I think it was like 250,000 cans of our product, something like that, um, which today is is not much, but back then it was like a ton of inventory, right? Yeah. And we spent so much time trying to perfect this this um, can design, which is as you referenced earlier, we've changed and and we've changed. This is the third time we've changed it, um, but we spent so much time going over that can design and so much time, you know, proofreading and paying attention to every little detail of everything that was on there, and. Uh, and we do this run and I start selling it to um, local gyms. I was coaching at a gym called Buckeye CrossFit at the time. Yeah. There was a, a prominent gym in Columbus. It's still still very prominent. Grandview CrossFit was selling our product. Yeah. Um, there was another gym in, in Southern Ohio, PSKC CrossFit was selling our product. And it was all going really, really well. Like everything was going so well two weeks in. I'm like, this is great. You know, this is this is the fun part you always hear about being an entrepreneur. This must be what this always looks like, right? Yeah. Um, 
And then one day I was at our office, which was basically a little corner of the warehouse that we were renting. And, uh, and I get a Facebook message from a customer, like a guy I, I didn't know. I think he was like a triathlete or something. And he was like, hey, I just discovered your product um, and I really like it. But I have a question because it doesn't make any sense to me. How is it possible that you guys have uh, 270 grams of, of sodium in your product? And, you know, initially I saw that and I saw it as a science-y question. And so I kicked that over to Dr. Dan and I was like, hey man, somebody's got a question about the electrolyte balance in O2. Can you take a look and get back to him on Facebook? He's like, yeah, no problem. And then maybe 10 minutes later, as I was packing up cases uh, to ship via USPS, <laughs> I remember very distinctly, he calls me, which that was my first kind of red flag he, he calls me in the middle of work day um and he's like hey uh are you sitting down I'm like, I'm like no do i need to be he's like yeah you should uh so i took a seat and he's like you know how that guy asked how it's possible for us to have 270 grams of sodium in our product i'm like yeah what's up he's like well if we were to have that much sodium in our product it would be over a pound of salt yeah i'm like what do you mean he's like well we made a typo on the can and it says 270 grams of sodium instead of 270 milligrams. Oh, I'm like, yes. oh fuck. All the, these 250,000 cans that we just produced are worthless now because we made a typo on the can. It's like, oh my God. You know, everybody who I'd raised money from was really close to me. I'm like, I just let everybody down. I wasted the money, the business is over. You know, it's the end of the world. Um, so after picking myself up off the floor in the fetal position, I called the most expensive beverage attorney that I could find. And I was like, this is what happened. And I don't know what to do about it. And first thing he said, which I still find rather disturbing, he's like, oh, dude, this happens all the time. It's not a big deal. Right. <laughs> like on the nutrition facts panel of products sold to people, you know, food and yeah. beverage, this happens all the time. Are you kidding? It's like, it happens all the time. He's like, you can probably just sweep it under the rug and you know don't worry about it because you don't have any money and nobody's going to sue you um and that didn't feel like the right approach um or you can cover up the entire nutrition facts panel with like a big sticker and hope that nobody notices that it's a sticker and then you, you kind of just you know mask the fact that you made an error and and that didn't feel great either so i approached a few people who were on my makeshift advisory board asking them what they would do. And one of them uh, used to be the CMO at the company nationwide that I'd worked for. And he's just a brilliant marketer. Um, and he's like, you know what you could do? You could kind of own the mistake and make a joke of it. You could put like a little sticker on the side of the can that says, oops, you know, we, we screwed up. This should be in milligrams, not grams, you know, our mistake. And I was like, that's brilliant. And so what we ended up doing was exactly that. We printed off 250,000 little stickers that looked like little comic book callouts. And they said something like, oops, exclamation point, our bad. This should be in milligrams and not grams. Sorry. You know, and every weekend, Dan and I and anyone else we could round up to join us would spend eight hours a day on Saturday, eight hours a day on Sunday unpacking each can to would take a case off the pallet, unpack it from the case, you know, apply a little sticker to the side of it, and then put it back in the case and then ship it off. And 
people fucking loved it. People thought it was the funniest thing. They were so glad that we like owned the mistake. You know, even Whole Foods was like, this is a brilliant approach to this. We've never seen anything like it. And, and that really taught me the importance of being transparent and honest yeah. with your customers. And that situation, that crisis, which put us in a better position than we otherwise would have been with our customers, but also with ourselves, that led to us defining our core values, which still to this day are honesty, humility, and hustle. Honesty, transparency, being honest and open, humility, having the humility to own your mistakes and be coachable, learn from others, and then hustle, have the hustle to go into a warehouse every weekend for six months, you know, eight hours a day, unpacking cans, hustling, working hard at work. And every hard decision that I've had to make since those values have been defined has become so much easier because when you look at it through the values that you've defined for yourself, you got to define them for yourself. Nobody else can do them but you. When you look at those decisions through those values, it becomes very clear what you should and shouldn't do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the power of being able to avoid things, I think, is, you know, it's it's that whole, the old adage of, you know, addition through subtraction type of thing mm -hmm. right it, totally it, it's only really made possible through and this goes into much bigger things and just stickering cans right but like even how people design their lives right like you know that's right once once you find the things that you know set your soul on fire and you find the things that you do define as your values like as a person not even just as your mm -hmm. business like it becomes very clear not what you're gonna do but what you will literally never fucking not do it. yeah exactly there is a list of things a mile long that i will not do right totally. And, totally. And, and all of those essentially are staggered against or wagered against factored against what are the things that are values in my life yeah. and i think that there's so much power in that especially in today's day and age right where we're getting inundated nonstop, right mm -hmm. no shortage of shit coming at us from all over the place and if you don't have a profound sense of you know individuality identity and value right like you know you know, these, this mimetic culture that we live in where you can just look around and be like, I'm supposed to be doing this or driving that or have this house or wear this or do this, or I run my business like this. It's, it's like a superpower. It's like, we're, mm -hmm. it's like, wearing it's like wearing Superman underwear mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. much stronger on PR day. I'm telling you right now, if you don't have those tight <laughs> whiteies with them little supermans on them, you definitely that is a life hack right there for anybody that's listening. Get them embroidered with your values. You can steal mine if you want, honesty, humility, and hustle. But I, but I can, you know, I've, I've made so many mistakes with this business at this point. It's, you know, we could fill up a day-long podcast with just mistakes if we wanted to. But I can say with 100% certainty that I've never compromised our values. And, and frankly, I think that's why we're still around and not only still around, but really thriving. Yeah. I mean, listen, the product is fantastic, right? I, I mean, I think that, and again, obviously you're on here and it's not, we're not sponsored. You're not paying me to be on mm -hmm. here. None of that stuff's coming. I just, I genuinely appreciate you as a person. It just so happens that like, not only are you fantastic looking, but. Oh, you know, stop it. Go on. You, uh, I wish you would have wore that hat. That you <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, the fact that you've made a cool product, it's, it's not lost on me that those two things are one and the same right like mm -hmm. that's not because you're you're fantastic looking did you make a great energy <laughs> but like because you're you're a fun human to hang out with right like and and again i was blessed with the opportunity to be able to spend 24 hours awake with you uh, right with our clothes on 
<laughs> Lots of clothes on, actually. Yeah. Uh, multiple layers. Uh, Sub-zero weather, it felt like. Peaceful day. Um, for everybody listening, Dave actually helped me support um, one of the second of the affiliate diesel days because he had um, one of his guys going through it as well. So I got to spend, you know, it gets really raw both mm-hmm. when you're doing diesel day, but when you're also totally. three in the morning, totally. so, you know, having shared a handful of like coffee fueled, caffeine fueled conversations yeah. where you're just like, I would go nap right now too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it wasn't lost on me that like, no wonder Tosh loves you. And obviously, you know, as one of my best friends, anybody he's like, no, I love Dave. Like, Tosh is a very loving human, but he's mm-hmm. also very raw human, right? And so mm-hmm. like, if he doesn't like you, you're probably gonna know, right? Mm-hmm. He's definitely not going to co-sign anybody he doesn't like. So, right. you know, I, I was like, I didn't know you personally. I knew that people liked you, but I was like. I reached out to Tosh for that week and before I even knew you were coming to Diesel Day. And he was like, dude, love Dave. Fantastic human. And I was like, yes. okay, good. Thanks for co-signing it. And then it just so happened that you spent the time there. And but my point in all of that, I guess, is that you know it's amazing how much better you become as a person, not only in your business, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much of that in there. And like you said in the beginning, entrepreneurship is literally just signing up for personal growth. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the unspoken part of the whole thing that for so many people, they don't necessarily experience is that, you know, they think that uh, they got to be perfect or they got to be this, they got to be that to get started. And like, the only thing you really need to know before you become an entrepreneur, honestly, is what you're just willing not to do. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. if you could start there, it would save so many people, so many struggles. If like people knew that there was, there was power in being unapologetically and unwaveringly raw, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it's not surprising to me that like you did build a cool, a cool product. It, it did weather the, the storm, you know, you've stuck to that. Why? And now that I know you as a person, it makes complete sense. Um, and it's cause you'll drink PBRs at three in the morning too, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, an, that's another podcast probably. I mean, I, I, I think that it's, it's funny. I was, um, a few days ago, I had the chance to, Beyond Kelly and Juliet Starrett's podcast. Yeah. And we were talking about uh, the product in itself. They're big fans. And we were also talking about just the concept of, of working with people who you like. Yeah. Um, and that's something that, that, you know, all three of us hold very true. And, you know, the sad reality, I think, is the product is sort of the easy part. You know, even though, like I shared earlier, getting O2 to be an actual product that not only tasted good, but functions just as well was, was a challenge. It almost, that's like table stakes now, you know, yeah. and I, I'd say the same for CrossFit gyms, you know, you're going to have a good product. Um, but that's the easy part. The hard part is building a, a culture around you that is uncompromising and it is very direct and is very focused on delivering on your own personal values, your professional values, and is something that you enjoy doing. And I think that, you know, if you can nail that part, like I'm fortunate now to have a team of, of really fucking incredible people around me so much so that I could disappear for a few weeks and, you know, nobody would know I probably wouldn't be needed. That that's, that's been such a hard thing to do over the years that I'm so fucking proud of because not only do I get to wake up and spend, you know, most of my conscious hours working alongside these people who I love, but also we do things 
for each other and with each other that are hard on a regular basis and that challenge us that ultimately deliver that great product to people in a way that they value. And, and a lot of that's just rooted in authenticity and having a good culture. Um, in the words of Connor Warman, Dave is just delivering a banger of a sermon here. Um, <laughs> he caught me on a good Friday, man. I like it. He's fueled up. He's had a lot of O2 this morning. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, when you were coming on here, I would obviously now I had known you as a person, so I knew it was going to be a good podcast. And, you know, respectfully, I knew that we could we could absolutely talk about the, the validity and the value in, in, in the quality of, of the product. And, and to your point, right, like, you know, you have built some the product is the easy part. The thing that you've built right. is essentially a much bigger, a much bigger thing. And it is probably almost demoralizing and demeaning to refer to it as a product because it's for sure become a brand, an identity, mm-hmm. sort of a, a vision, a just cause, so to speak, is a word that we throw around here where it's like, you know, Dave for sure, and you and I talked about this. You have a vision of the future and you see how you know O2 plays itself in that in that perpetuation of that just cause and you know how you play that role. And and again, a lot of that just comes down to, you know, getting in and being confident in those values, right? Like mm, I think that's right. who I am as a person makes it a lot easier to figure out who you don't want to be around you as a person mm. too. And like, so when you build those teams and you do create those, those super teams, it's, it, you know, it's, again, it's a superpower, right? It's a hack, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. um, you know, keeping that's, Go ahead, Lisa. Did you say something? I was just going to say, I think, too, when you... I you were here. You know, we just you out of this whole podcast. Sorry. I'll just come along for the ride. this every week. She hates me for it. But when, you, when you've got values that you so align with and they resonate with, like, who you are, not just this is some token words we've thrown on the wall, it really stops you getting distracted when things do get hard. And then That's going, right. That's okay, right. we need to change course now and do this because this is hard and shitty, so right. let's let's do the the next cool thing that somebody said right. if the values are part of who you are you're like well no this is a course wrong this is makes it That's very right. easy to make those decisions when it is not running ideal when things are not quite going your That's way right. That's right cuz the last thing you you really need to worry about when you're in the middle of a crisis is how you're going to operate right <laughs> Like you've, you've got enough problems in the middle of a crisis to worry about how, what's our culture, what's our operating plan, you know what I mean? And, and I think that if you define that up front, it makes everything so much more manageable because everything else just is noise. You know, everything else is just a tactical problem, prioritize and execute. And I, you know, I, I see this every day. I'm, I'm, I live in Boulder and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be a member at CrossFit Roots and I just love that gym. And Nicole and Eric, uh, the owners of Roots, have done such a good job of building a culture of excellence, not only with their staff, but with their membership base. Yeah. So much so that they'll, they will subsidize L1s for yeah. their members on a regular basis because they know how important it is to have members who are schooled in the values of CrossFit rubbing off on other members who may be new or are coming from a different gym. And so anytime that there's, you know, any sort of distraction in the community or any sort of issue, it's like, it's like a hive of bees all just operating on the same operating plan to get shit done. You know, it's, it's truly incredible what they've built. And I think that's something that can be replicated across any affiliate. It just takes a lot of time and intent. Yeah. I, 
think you know and nicole's great we had she was just on here not that long ago and we talked about really you know her roots subsidizing the l1s as well as mm -hmm. for, for the staff and no doubt about it i, I know we've said it a lot of times they built a, a fantastic culture but you know roots aside it's so much of it is like taking the things off your place so that they don't become, you know, distractions for you so that you can really yeah. get back to those things. And, and that's kind of central to that, that initial conversation, which was the absence of wise, what's become wise. And when things get crazy in a business and like chaos is the constant, right? It is the omnipresent oh, totally, presence in every single business. Totally. And I think a lot of people who end up in the affiliate model, um, you know, come from a place not unlike yourself, not unlike really all of us, you you come from that W-2 wage earner sort of relationship mm -hmm. and you, you're presented with something that changed your life, that catalyst that, that drives it forward. And then so you, you move forward and you, you're like, I'm going to build an affiliate. And then they build it. And then they're like, I'm not equipped to handle this thing. Right? Oh, shit. And yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, and it's not to say that it's the case with everybody, but the very nature of a W 2 wage earner type of thing is it's an exchange for comfort, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's, you know, yeah, right. You give That's up right. opportunities, massive ones, That's for right. lesser risk. And, That's right. and so that, that thing kind of carries itself over. And so you find in a lot of those situations is, you know, people looking for the easy answers, right? Or like, mm -hmm. you know, looking for the comfort, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. And there's no shortage of discomfort owning mm -hmm. this. Right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't need to tell you that. And anybody mm -hmm. listening to this, I know I don't need to tell you that. But one of the things that I think separates the successful, no doubt I know separates the successful, is that every successful entrepreneur I know has gravitated to the one thing that every single CrossFitter knows, which is always ironic to me that the affiliate owner seems to try to circumnavigate it, which is, you know, there is no way to get rid of discomfort through comfort. Like mm -hmm. That, that mm -hmm. can't happen in anything that you do. And we know mm -hmm. this to its core because of the L1 kernel, right? And like to the point of Nicole Christensen, like she understands the value of teaching people the principles and the method, right? And like, mm -hmm. so you get into this situation with the affiliate owners and they do seek that comfort. But a lot of that has nothing to do with anything else. It's just that everything is on fire. At that point. Mm -hmm. So like, they're like, oh my God. And so what do they do? Instead of keeping their eyes on that catalyst that drove them to be like, you know what I should do? Dump mm -hmm. my life savings, mm -hmm. max out my credit cards, and mm -hmm. I'm going to open an affiliate, right? And then it doesn't go well. And then they lose sight of what made them dump that savings. Right? Mm -hmm. They lose sight of that version, that vision of the future, because all sorts of things need their attention, right? And so they become mm -hmm. very distracted with, I got to fix this and I got to fix that. And I got to fix that. And the beauty of having your vision, your values, the four horsemen, as we call them, you know, having your four horsemen set is it like you get to look at those things and say, are they a necessity, right? Are they tactical prioritize and execute, right? If you look at them, you're like, doesn't need to get solved right now or someone mm -hmm. else to solve it, or it's not even a problem, right? Like I'm just right. making it a problem because I'm distracted because I don't know what to do. And so there's so much value in that and no doubt about it. I mean, I can't imagine it's easy to navigate an industry that you decided to just throw yourself into, which is obviously one of the craziest industries, which is the beverage industry, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, as CrossFitters, we're all uniquely and intrinsically aware of, you know, big sugar. And yep. he's like, you know what? I, you know what? Fuck comfort. I think what I want to do is I want to make a piss lemony drink and I'm going to sell it to people. And then I'm going to do it because there's going to be oxygen in it. And like, right. but you did it and you were unwavering on it. And there's no fucking way that would have ever worked without having. Yeah. 
I, I think that's right. And, and I also think you can kind of discover that why along the way too, yeah. you know, and, and for me, I always had in mind that I wanted to build a company that society would be proud existed. Like I wanted to build a company that people, you know, the, the actual company, like I said, the product's the easy part, but the actual company, I want to make something that has a positive impact, you know, and I, I, I think that we have an O2. Um, we're a carbon neutral company. We do a lot with different uh, nonprofits like Big Fish Foundation, um, Forging Youth Resilience. You know, we do these things because of the anchor point that was my why, you know, when I first started this. But as I've, as I've gone through it, you know, I've had to find other whys. Like yeah. there's been a big why that I've had to really define for myself in terms of why the fuck am I going through all these crises? Why am I going through, you know, all the trials and tribulations? Why do, why do I want to keep doing this? Yeah. And that was not clear to me. I did not know that this was going to be as hard as it is when I first started this. Um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't know, because if I did, I'm not sure we'd be having this conversation. But I think that it's, it's okay to kind of question what you're doing and why you're doing it, even when you've got a, a purpose in mind for your business. Because we as people, you know, as entrepreneurs, have to remind ourselves on a regular basis, why am I doing this again? Like, I'm making less money than I could elsewhere. I'm working longer hours than I would have to elsewhere. And, and for me, it's, 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 this has been a long road to discovery and Tosh has helped with this. Um, it has been because I want to be the best person that I can possibly be. And going back to that, that phrase I used earlier from James clear entrepreneurship as a personal growth accelerator, man, there is no better forum for somebody to get fucking good at being a great human being than running a business. Doesn't matter the business. It can be an app. It can be a drink. It can be a gym. It doesn't matter because yeah. those forums are going to be filled with so many challenges that you're, you're either going to fail or you're going to get through it and become a better person, whether you like it or not, you know? And you so are going to see who you are. Yeah. You'll see the sort of person that you yeah, are. Totally. Am I, am I going to, you know, sack up and, and endure this or do I quit? Is that my tendency? And that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And who do you want to be? You know, what would the person that you want to be do in these situations? And for me, it's it's been fairly easy to define that. You know, I want to be somebody who's disciplined. I want to be somebody who's, you know, able to motivate a team when things are tough. I want to be somebody who's able to make a positive impact when the easy route, you know, would probably lead to, lead to a negative impact. And so the hard times are always hard. But if you can remind yourself of why you're doing this as an individual, it's like, oh, okay, right. This is what I signed up for. I signed up for the suck. I'm going to embrace the suck because it's going to make me a better person. Got it. Let's just do it. Yeah, no, I think that's another, that's another day banger right there. We're going to sound bite that one for sure. <laughs> well, it's, it's a very cool journey. I think entrepreneurship in general, you know, obviously we all get into it for some degree of pursuit of money or success or otherwise. It, it, and there's definitely parts of it, but the whole reason where we're unique as a company, and I'm not even sure we, I, you and I talked about this, but we honestly just use business a lot like Tosh uses physical activity mm -hmm. yeah. as an oculus and a lens of human behavior, right? Because right. There's, yeah. there's very few things in the world which will expose you as raw totally. as business ownership will, right? Like totally. there is totally. there is nothing left on the table that is that is 
not in question. And same thing happens at three in the morning on the back trail, right? You're like, there's totally hundred percent. I'm ugly crying. I'm mad. Like I, and you have right. nothing to do except for just confront and face all of those, those, right. like, those beliefs. And, and that's how this podcast became behavior and behavior based conversations, because as a business owner, that's where the lonely happens, right? When mm-hmm. you, especially as an affiliate owner, you sit at that desk surrounded by hundreds of people every single day and you've never felt so alone, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not because like, it's not even about depression or otherwise or things of that nature. It's just simply that like, you're like, oh, everything is exposed. I feel so, you know, I feel so exposed, weak, vulnerable, whatever you want to call it. Right. You, you know, and, and everybody's looking at you and there's an, I think it's from the economist, maybe it's from Inc magazine. It's gone pretty popular, which is, you know, entrepreneurship is like riding a lion, right? You, you're riding that lion. Everybody looks at you like, wow, look at Dave. He's riding, yeah, yeah, he's riding a lion. lion. Oh my God. Yeah. And Dave's like, how the fuck did I get on this lion? How do I get <laughs> yeah. off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that went viral because every entrepreneur can be like, yes, hundred percent. Totally. I don't even know, like that's big ass teeth down there. I'm trying to not get in them. Exactly. And that's, you know, when you do get vulnerable, you do have to confront all these limiting beliefs and all of these things that, you know, you've probably packed away. You know, that's what the lion feels like. You're like, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody's looking at you. And the last thing you want to do is turn to them and be like, can somebody please get me down from here? Right. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep riding it, I guess. And that, right. that is a very, a very dangerous place to be and it's just a very lonely place to be and that was yeah. one of the reasons that we built it but it was because of things like that for people like yourself who have gone through it and you understood that like dude yeah some days maybe even most days suck mm-hmm. but i wouldn't trade any of those days because mm-hmm. the version of dave that we have now the version of tony the version of lisa that we mm-hmm. have now like, is a byproduct of those days of the 100%. days when you're just like how the fuck did i get here again right. Right. Again, right? Like, right. and how am I going to get out of it? Because this time it's worse than the last time, right? And then, you know, the evolution happens, but it is a, a fantastic tool. I think there's like three things in life that can expose you to it. Physical activities, particularly yep. the ones. 24-hour workout, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, throwing that out there. Right? <laughs> Business ownership or entrepreneurship, because you have no choice but to, to look inward. Because right? mm-hmm. if you're going to project outward, it's going to start inward. And love being mm-hmm. in a relationship those three mm-hmm. things expose you to a level and like look at it people want to work for a job they want to avoid mm-hmm. that entrepreneurship most people do not want to exercise they want to be somebody else's fault and most people end up in dysfunctional relationships where they point mm-hmm. things right? like mm-hmm. and so the few of us who get it and the ones who are willing to step into that comfort and you understand your values I mean you become better lovers you become better mm-hmm. business owners you become mm-hmm. better happier healthier people and and that can't really be understated but business mm-hmm. ownership you're not supposed to know what to do, right? Like that's right. kind of the point. I think you have permission to have no fucking idea what you're doing. Right. And if right. you do know what you're doing, you're probably not growing. Right? You're mm-hmm. probably you're probably trying to hold the line and you're probably trying to stay right where you're at. Like just like fitness, it's got to stay uncomfortable. And so I think a lot of people just need the permission to understand that like if it feels uncomfortable, it's probably actually heading in the right direction. Right. That's right. Your, your visions matter. That's I was right. thinking that before when Dave, you were saying that, you know, you've made like more mistakes than you care to count, but if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying and you're not learning. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right. Every time, like, what have you got out of that experience? And, That's right. you know, we, we talk about, like Tony was just saying, personal relationships, like every bad relationship you've ever had has taught you and you've grown from it and gone, well, yep. Hey, I don't want to be that or do that again. And it's the same in like the, that. Hey, 
I did not like that when that happened. No, I did not. Argue. That's <laughs> not what I want to be. But you know, it it te- you're not trying. You're not you're that's evolving right. if you're not fucking up regularly. That's right. That, I think that's exactly right. Um, and you know, I I had a uh, at the at the end of each year. You know, I'll, I'll do a a little mini retreat where I kind of look back on the last year and I look forward, you know, and I, I determine where I'm at in my own little personal growth journey and where I'm at, you know, with respect to where I want to be. And one of my goals for this year was to find failure more, mm. but whether it's inside the gym or, you know, inside O2 or whatever. Um, because like you said, Lisa, if you're not finding failure, you're just kind of staying in your comfort zone and, and, you know, what's the thing Glassman would say that, you know, growth is at the margins of our, our, yeah. our capacity yeah. and our capabilities. And I yeah. fully subscribe to that. The unfortunate reality is that failure is uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. so you have to intentionally find it. You have to sign yourself up for it. But just like the three things you mentioned, Tony, earlier, you know, love, entrepreneurship, uh, physical challenges, those are all things that you can willingly sign up for and therefore control it's just a question of are you willing to navigate those things in a way that you know is challenging and where you can find some failure or are you just going to stay in your comfort zone for sure i got bumps dave you got me again nailed it yes it's not and it's not cold in front of this window (laughs) very warm in front of this window and i got yeah i mean finding failure uh i'm proud of you for that one uh for for having that personal that personal sort of milestone and going after it. You know, it's one of those things that I wish you, you could want for other people, right? Uh, you know, but I think that it, like many things, is part of the journey, right? It, it, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, you, we all arrive at some point in our own realization of the value of failure, right? Mm-hmm. I think we spend so much of our life trying to avoid it. But no doubt about it, the people who get it, the people like yourself, the world is for sure better for it, right? Like we get we get brands and companies like O2 out of it. We get organizations like Big Fish out of it. We get people who are willing to do that. And, you know, the more of those that exist, the more likely we are to be able to will this for other people, right? Because they see those organizations. That's right. And they become demonstrations of it. And they're like, what's the secret? Well, I'm going to tell you, but you're probably not going to like the answer, right? right. And they're going to be like, right. oh. But, you know, just like for, you know, one of the things that we do around here a lot is get people to trip over the truth. It doesn't take much awareness in life to trip over that truth. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to have to do some shitty shit a lot more often. Right. You right. know, and, and you, it's funny because, you know, it's that old adage of like easy choices, hard life, hard choices. Yeah, that's right. 100%. And life lives in the cliches, man. And it is 100% true. And if the more often you hear it, shit, you know, probably should start listening to it. Uh, I think that there's so much here to talk about, and I know we didn't get to talk that much about really the, the product itself and the it's rebrand. Fine, man. I mean, honestly, at this point, the product is like, I love the product. It's the best product out there, but I get so much more fired up about talking about stuff like this. No, and as I was like, I said, I, I will talk to you for hours on end. I will say the new can is sexy. I Thank you. About 4,000 pictures of it. Nicole's got yeah, you did. So <laughs> I, one day we should we'll get to those. I think I'm Please. gonna have to probably get that memory card from her and edit it myself. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna originally actually fly out there tomorrow, and so I was gonna be out there for a couple of days. But then, oh, I nice Mother's Day, so I was like, oh yeah, can't do that. But maybe I'll end up out there. Oh uh, yeah, this weekend I'll grab the memory card. Anyway, the can is great. The can is beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Thank one you. of the things I did want to talk about, we don't have to necessarily jump into it because I I do want to use this as a way to bait you into coming back on because like yeah. your brain is fantastic. Uh, 
especially, you know, what you weathered, but also your outlook on life. But, um, you took so long redesigning that can. I remember yep. when you told me, I was like, how? Yeah, yeah right. You can just know. a can redesign. Like, don't you right. have like, right. like, <laughs> Yeah, that's like a long weekend, right? Come on. Did you just like waste years of your life on Fiverr trying to find like freelancers <laughs> or something? I was like, but then after I got to know you and I spent that weekend with you, I was like, that's why it took him so long yeah. to redesign the can. Right? Because Dave is not the type of person because it's not about the product. It's not about what's in that can. It was never about that. Not only was the drink never about that, but nothing was really ever about that. And having spent that weekend with you, I was like, that's why it took so long to redesign that can. Sure, the can's beautiful, but like, it's because of the of the version of the person you've become. Thanks, and, man. No that means a lot. And I'm happy to call you a friend. Now you're basically family. Likewise. So, That's um, right. You spend 24 hours with somebody fully conscious, man. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. Yeah, there's a whole ass conversation in that one too. Not so much even just the physicality, but the type of people that, that end up up there at Magdalene, yeah. right? You yeah. know, and, and I've, it's a special I've breed. been there many weekends now at this point, and I've never left with anything except for like just pure love with anybody in oh, there. Yeah. And that's yeah. not so much even a testament. We talk a lot about the value of these today, but it's not even a testament to that. It's just, it's the flame that draws the certain type of moth. That's right. right? I think and that's right. Tasha's though. I always say Tasha's like my best friend because he's given me so many more friends. Yeah. Um, and you're one totally. of those. So, totally. Totally. I mean, this was an inconsequential text from Jay. Who's like, Hey, me, Dave, Dave wants to come to the podcast. Like, yeah. And I was like, wait, I didn't know. I know all about Dave. Um, so pumped to have you on here. I do want Thank to have you. you back on. I think we could talk yeah, I love that. about it. Um, how do we, I guess, in regards to the thing that does actually matter, which is the company. So, um, how do they get more information or more access to the brand so they can yeah. get up to it and taste this? If they haven't somehow tasted it for themselves, unless yeah, they're yeah. over here in weird land, uh, <laughs> how do they find it? Well, yeah, if, any, if anyone, if anyone wants to riff with me personally, my email is Dave at drinko2.com. So that's a pretty easy way to reach me. And then, uh, for the product, um, we do free samples to gyms all the time. If you're interested in selling, go to drinko2.com and click the little wholesale tab and, you know, fill out a form that'll take 30 seconds and the rest will be history. I don't, I don't want to blow your inbox up, but I would highly encourage anybody if you are willing to, to definitely reach out to Dave. Um, He's a fantastic human. He's obviously sitting right here, so I have no problem saying it, but it's certainly worth your time. Don't blow him up with dumb things like weird <laughs> things. He, he, and don't send him naked pictures. That's, that's <laughs> um, but uh, thanks for reaching out to that. I mean, I open that up to him, but that means a lot. I know that, you know, I know you care. We talked about that. And I think business owners are the lifeblood of all economies. And, and I know that you know, you care about them. So, you know, your willingness to give them support is not lost on anybody listening to this. It's, it's one of the biggest honors of my job, man. Love it. Well, let's figure out when to get you back on. I appreciate man. your time. I don't want to take any more of your time. My pleasure. Yeah. There's a lot more to talk about there. Um, everybody make sure you go find the cans, get the cans, unless you live in Australia, but one day you'll get your cans. That's right. Like I said, we're working on it. Lisa. A smuggling ring anyway. Yeah. So, uh, we'll get them in there, but no, Dave, thanks so much for coming on here. I appreciate you, man. Love you to death. Um, Love you guys too. Thank you so much for having me. Tony is great. Great hanging out again. I really appreciate everything. I'll be out there soon and enough. We'll go to dinner. Oh yeah. I love that. Lisa, it was great to meet you. Great to meet you too, Dave. She won't be over there soon enough. We keep her on the prison island for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no one lets me off, but that's fine one day. There are All worse right. places to be stuck, I'm sure.
There, there, there definitely is. Not All right, guys. Because they want to kill you, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the chat, and uh, definitely look forward to the next one, Dave.